And it's kind of ironic to me at the same time in this season we're bombarded with advertisements and all kinds of external things that others want us to buy, right? Uh, The retail stores have been planning for months how to maximize the season so that consumers will buy their products. And I think they want us to believe that our hope or our joy is dependent on whether we purchase something or whether we get something for Christmas. And and while I trust that you're going to get gifts for your loved ones in this season, uh, nothing wrong with that, I hope that our church is a place where you find something much, much deeper, a much deeper hope. And so the season of Advent points us to the coming of Christ in the past, as we said, but also to the future. And I believe that as God's people, we should be getting ready uh, far more than retail stores are getting ready. We should be getting ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. I don't think you can start too early when you're getting ready for something really big. And I believe the prophet Isaiah would, would agree with me. He, uh, write, he writes the book of Isaiah 700 years before the time of Christ. Now, the book of Isaiah, huge book, many themes. But I believe the main theme was to reveal and to prepare people for the hope that was yet to come. Isaiah's name itself means Jehovah saves. And he ministered for more than 50 years under four different kings. And so he saw a lot of evil. He saw a lot of corruption in his day. And yet throughout his ministry, he's very bold in longing for something more. He dares to believe that something better is coming. Even though he lives in a culture of corruption, which I think we understand, and everything around him seems dark, I think we can summarize Isaiah's bold hope looking at chapter 64, verse 1. He says there, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Can you hear the longing there? Can you hear his heart crying out, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He's longing for the Lord to somehow come down into the world to make sense of all the chaos or the nonsense and to bring peace and conquer evil. He's hungry to have the Holy One enter our crazy world in an extraordinary manner. And so I'm wondering this morning, first of all, are you glad that Jesus did enter into the world? And are you excited about His coming again? Another way to say it is, do you have the same hunger that Isaiah had to see the Lord come? We're going to look at four passages in Isaiah this morning from chapters 7, 9, 11, and 53. Usually we just focus on one passage here. That's about all that I can handle Um, But I'm hoping that by doing that, we get a complete picture of Isaiah's mind in terms of what Christmas is. Because as, as I said, you can't start too early getting ready for something really big. So while the retailers are out there trying to convince us that our hope is dependent on the stuff that we buy, we're going to turn away from that lie and we're going to look to where we can find our hope, an eternal hope. So the question this morning is, where is our hope? Turning to Isaiah 7, first of all, we'll find that our hope is a sure sign. 
If you come to chapter 7, there's an evil king named Ahaz on the throne. And this guy has deliberately disobeyed God, and as a result, his kingdom has come under attack. Look at verse 2, chapter 7. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. So friends, if you don't know God, and trouble comes... You're going to be shaken to the core of your being. Turn to the Lord. Go to the Lord while help can be found. But instead of turning to the Lord, Ahaz begins to think about partnering with the evil empire of Assyria. And at this time, God, in his great love and his mercy, takes the initiative. He sends Isaiah the prophet to help King Ahaz. Ahaz points out in verse 9 that if you do not stand firm in your faith, You will not stand at all. And and this is really a pun in Hebrew. If you dig into it, it can be translated something like this. If there is no belief, you will find no relief. In verse 10, we read that Ahaz was supposed to ask for a sign that would help him believe. And in verse 12, we also see that Ahaz refuses to ask for a sign. Well, this gets Isaiah kind of hot in verse 13. He says, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? And then we come to the remarkable passage you probably have heard, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Just a few things this morning about this sure sign that we're given. Notice the Lord himself will give the sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. The Lord himself will give the sign. Very similar to what Abraham says in Genesis 22, 8. God himself will provide the lamb. Notice also the sign is given to all of us, which is great news. The word you in this passage is plural, indicating that it's not just a sign to Ahaz, but to everyone. And the angel later makes this clear in Luke 2.10, when the angel says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Also notice the sign uh, is a son born to a virgin. And in the Hebrew, uh, there's a a grammatical interjection here in Isaiah 7.14 that should read, Behold! It's an announcement of sorts. It's an interjection. Behold! The virgin will be with child. It's used to grab your attention, to indicate the importance of what's about to be said. This is no ordinary pregnancy. And this is no ordinary birth. A virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And that would certainly stand out as a miraculous sign. And finally, we see that the son would be God incarnate because the name Emmanuel means the strong God with us. So from the point of this miraculous birth on, God would himself be present among his people. And that verse is later quoted in Matthew 1, 22 and 23. He says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
Now, does Ahaz understand this? No. Was it fulfilled during his lifetime? No. It was a prophecy focusing on the future hope given to all the people so that they could put their hope in him. So Isaiah reveals that our hope is in a sure sign. And then secondly, our hope is in a sent son. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 9, if you would, and we'll quickly set the text uh, in context for chapter 9. Because I want you to, to see that the original birth announcement is made in the midst of gloom and grief. Um, a lot of times when we think about Jesus' birth, we get kind of a hallmark picture and peace and calm and everything is rosy. But as we read the biblical account, that's not how it happened. And the announcement didn't happen in a calm, rosy time as well. Verse 1 says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. So we have to understand that Zebulun and Naphtali are tribes from the north of Israel. They make up this land called Galilee. And for many years, the people in that region had only known grief because of the attacks of enemies who were allowed by God to attack them as a result of the people's sin. And and these people lived closest to the bad guys. And so that's why they're the first ones attacked. But Isaiah tells of a time in the future where gloom is going to be replaced with gladness in Galilee. And Jesus, of course, grounds his ministry in Galilee. But what I want you to hear is that Isaiah gives his message of hope in the midst of grief and gloom. That Christmas uh, was born in the midst of great grief. That While the angels are proclaiming peace on earth, Herod is preparing to kill infants. That while Mary was worshiping, other mothers were weeping for their children. And so in other words, Christmas joy by us is best understood in the midst of the junk of life all around us because gladness comes even when we're grieving. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. Maybe your heart is grieving. And so the scripture says to you today, that's okay. Because that's exactly where Emmanuel will meet you. Then verse 2 of chapter 9 describes how the birth of Christ is going to bring, bring brightness to a dark world. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. And that gets me looking forward to our Christmas Eve service uh, when we light candles uh, to show the impact that Christ makes on a dark world. Jesus refers to himself in John eight twelve. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then in Isaiah 9, 4, um, we go back to that gloomy context. The enemies of Israel had burdened the people with bars across their shoulders. If you get that picture of a people walking with bars across their shoulders, and Jesus enters into that, he says, I'm the light of the, of the world. 
that yoke is going to be shattered. And so instead of wiping us out, Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so in place of burdens, God wants to give his people blessings. And then a remarkable verse in Isaiah 9, 6. And really Isaiah is filled with verses packed with deep meaning. But let's look at 9, 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Remember the shoulders with the bars? He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this child is going to be birthed in Bethlehem. Um, It's going to be given to us. And on top of that, it says, the government will be upon his shoulders. And that means that all of the expectations of the throne of King David are fulfilled in Christ. The baby bundled in straw holds the universe together. The one nestled on Mary's shoulders bears everything on his shoulders. He's the redeemer. He's the ruler of all. And so maybe in this season we're not excited about the incarnation because we're only focused on that little baby in the manger. But as we dig into scripture, we see he is far more than a baby. And the titles he's given here indicate that. The phrase he will be called means he will justly bear the name. Wonderful counselor. So he's profound and wise. Mighty God. He is powerful. Everlasting Father. He's eternal and yet personal. Prince of Peace. He's peaceful. So it's amazing to me that Isaiah not only knew that Emmanuel would be born to a virgin as a sure sign, but he also understands that he would be the sent son. And then thirdly, Isaiah reveals that our hope is in a shoot from a stump. What is that? What does that mean? Well, this is in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. It says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So, not sure about you, but when I think about the picture of a stump, um, it's not really an inspiring picture. Because when we see stumps, well, maybe some of you are like, yeah, we need to get rid of that. That's a, not, not look at the stump. But, but it, the stump reminds us of what was there and is now gone. So it's a very depressing picture, I think. Um, so, so we could... We could feel like that in our lives as we look at the world around us. As we look at the dreams we had, we may see stumps. We may see things that are no longer there or dreams that have died or been cut off. That may be like our lives. He revealed hope. He revealed Emmanuel. He revealed his plan. And and it's not just a wishing well kind of hope. It's a certain hope that Jesus is a sure sign, that he's a sent son, that he's a shoot from a stump, that he's a suffering Savior. Isaiah wrote about the future, and yet as you read his words, it seems to indicate that he saw the Savior with his own eyes. And John twelve forty one, I think, backs that up. It says, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. 
And so do we see the glory of Jesus? Do we get a glimpse of that? And if we do, it changes our whole lives. And I say that because Jesus not only came to be born into this world, but he wants to be born in us. And so I have to ask you this morning, are you ready to receive the Christ of Christmas? Is Christ alive and living in you and evident in your life? Isaiah's promises about Christ give us hope, and when they're fulfilled in us, they bring us peace. But just like a present, Jesus must be received. When Isaiah said these words, there were people in his day that did not receive them, just like in our day. I love the words in Isaiah 65, 1 and 2. He says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. This is God speaking. I was found by those who did not seek me. All day long I've held up my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. I believe we see that in our own day. There was a woman in a mall and she was doing her Christmas shopping. And she was stressed out trying to find the perfect present for everyone on her list. And knowing that her credit cards were maxed out or nearly maxed out, she could not wait for Christmas to be over. And so with her arms full of gifts, she she tried to get into a crowded elevator. And as she squeezed in with the other weary shoppers, she exclaimed, Whoever came up with Christmas ought to be strung up and killed. Several shook their heads in agreement around her. And then from somewhere in the back, a voice spoke up and said, Don't worry, they already did that to him. So church family this morning, just a reminder, let's not miss the meaning behind Christmas. Let's not put our hope in other things. Not going to sing this hymn, but it reminds us of the hope as well that we have. Just one of a few words from this hymn. It says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So, friends, our hope is in Christ. He's already come. He's going to come again. And so let's prepare our hearts and our minds for his coming. 